This podcast was created by Startup Victoria and Victoria University. When things go wrong, duct tape can hold just about anything together. And when you're starting and growing a business, a lot of things can go wrong. Welcome to Duct Tape, a podcast mini-series exploring how startup founders tackle unexpected problems. We call them duct tape moments, those make or break situations that force you to get creative, to think quick and act quicker, to keep the show on the road. And the truth is, every founder has them. I'm Lara Chan Baker, the producer and editor of Duct Tape, and you are about to meet your interviewer for today. I mean, I know for for me personally, I have identified as a black thumb when it comes to <laughs> growing plants. And I have always admired those who can grow their own food, consume their own produce. That's Judy Anderson. You might remember her from our first episode. Judy is the CEO of Startup Victoria, Australia's largest community for entrepreneurs, providing tools and networking for over 60,000 members. As the captain of that ship, Judy is a pivotal part of the startup landscape and is very well versed in the obstacles that come with the terrain. Today, she's interviewing a husband and wife team that are helping us grow our own food and help the planet in the process. I think I think we should start off by putting it on record that we're far from green thumbs and <laughs> yeah. that's exactly why we're here. We are awesome. lazy gardeners. We are, I would say, grey thumbs. And those voices belong to Haranga Gunawadhana and Ashini Dialwis. These two are partners in life, but they're also partners in business as the co-founders of Earthly. Now, living off food you've grown yourself sounds like a truly idyllic proposition, but it's actually pretty hard to do, not to mention time-consuming. If it were easy, everyone would be doing it. And therein lies the premise of Earthly, a startup on a vital mission to make our food systems more sustainable and resilient by helping people like you and I to confidently grow our own food, regardless of where we live, how busy we are, or how many failed herbs and murdered ferns we have in our pasts. Before starting Earthly, Ashini and Haranga were both architects, and although they placed great focus on sustainability in the large-scale commercial infrastructure projects that they were leading, it just wasn't enough. They wanted to make a larger, more direct impact, and setting their sights on upending our food systems made a lot of sense. Our industrial, globalised food systems are a big part of the issue. Agriculture is the third largest contributor to climate change. Food travels thousands of kilometres to get to our plates, often wrapped in plastic, refrigerated for months at a time, only to arrive with way less nutritional value. And then we go ahead and send 75% of it to landfill. It's a greenhouse gas emissions nightmare, and even then, as we've seen through COVID and bushfires, our food supply chains are pretty fragile. Earthly have a vision of a generation of changemakers connected across cities, helping to cut food waste and emissions while supporting nature in the process. Through carefully designed products, technology and communities, they're doing their best to make this a reality. In a moment, I'll leave you with Judy, Harunga and Ashini to tell you more about Earthly's journey and the duct tape moments that they've had along the way. But first, a small side note. 
We recorded this chat a little while back and you'll hear them hinting at a major new product that they were working on. They've since released more info on this and it's super exciting, so we'll tell you more about that at the very end. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to the Duct Tape Podcast. I'm joined by Ashini and Haranga, who are the co-founders of Earthly. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us, Judy. It's so good to be here. Awesome to be here. Yeah, Yeah. no worries. Well, we're going to learn a little bit about Earthly and your story and (laughs) how you've actually built this business, but I believe you are both architects by trade. So what were you doing before you were being entrepreneurs? Yeah, we spent a lot of time working on uh, infrastructure projects Mm -hmm. in architecture land. Corporate environment means that you get lots of different perks, but it also comes with the constraints of working to those particular KPIs, I guess. And throughout our exploration, we realized that sustainability is becoming an important aspect of what we do, but not necessarily moving fast enough. So uh, we changed our tact in terms of the impact that we wanted to create and we turned to entrepreneurship. We were both, I guess, specializing in sustainable architecture, but we also, we live sustainably at home. We, we grow about a third of our own produce, our fresh food at home, but we learned the hard way growing our own food at home through trial and error. And all of our, our friends and family, when they visit, whilst they're, I guess, impressed, a lot of people say that they struggled with the process of growing food, killing plants, and then they stopped. But we know that our food systems are really flawed and there is a benefit to growing some of your own food at home, which is why we started Earthly, to make it easier for you know, everyday city dwellers like you and I to confidently grow our own food, reduce food waste, or I guess divert food waste from landfill and support nature as well in the process. You know, as architects, we're building a lot more gray space than green. So yeah, there's a lot that can be done with the the power of people, particularly with the density of people that is increasing in cities. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I know for for me personally, I have identified as a black thumb when it comes to <laughs> growing plants, and I have always admired those who can grow their own food, consume their own produce, and I do love that what you're building is making it easier, more accessible, a little bit less scary. So how did you take, I guess, your personal skills of being able to grow your own produce, feed yourselves uh, (laughs) at home? How did you take that and turn it into something you could actually sell and help other people do? I think think we should start off by putting it on record that we're far from green thumbs and (laughs) that's exactly why we're here. We are lazy gardeners. We are, I would say, grey thumbs. We, We don't have time to be spending all weekend in the garden in our overalls. We want things to to grow efficiently and quickly. We want a decent harvest and we want others to be able to do that too. And, and I, I guess it comes from a background as architects. We're really systems thinkers and multidisciplinary approach is really applicable to gardening. And that's what we wanted to implement. We just didn't know exactly how and how we can bring it together to fulfill this kind of agenda with sustainability like food is on everyone's table at the end of the day and yeah that's that's where things kind of really got exciting for us yeah so your question we launched through a victoria uni beta pre-accelerator for the planet and that happened late last year 2020 middle of lockdown um, which was a very great time to start a business. <laughs> Apparently it is, though. I mean, we've had some great stories um, about COVID businesses yeah. um, popping up throughout the start of the community. Yours is definitely one of them. So, yeah. yeah, tell us about that journey. 
Yeah, so it was a five-week five pre-accelerator, week yep, which was, it's that's a very short time. Certainly shorter than anything we've experienced in corporate. Yeah, <laughs> take your five weeks just to, I don't know, get something approved. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it was, I think it was, it was week two where we had, we had just got our product offering. Our go-to-market strategy yeah. took us that amount of time to really refine and come down to yeah think about how we want to solve this problem of our food systems in cities so Mm. yeah week two we had come up with our product which was our edible garden kits and a community platform a digital platform to support our growers and what we had to do in the next three weeks before the all-important pitch day was um order our inventory create a website get some great images up on the website. And then rally (laughs) together some customers. Yeah, our first customers, get some first customers before the pitch so that we had something to present at the pitch. That's awesome. Um, So you went into the pre-accelerator not with a specific idea but with a problem. With a problem. Well, we went to the pre-accelerator with a different idea, same impact, different idea. What was the original idea? Well, we're kind of going towards that different idea right maybe towards the end of this year. Okay. <laughs> but the idea was to to create this network of people growing food. And it was very much focused on the software layer of connecting people, connecting what they're growing with what they can share, with what they can teach each other. But we needed a strategy to go to market. And another social media platform isn't necessarily the easiest thing to launch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so then what did you pivot to uh, once you realized that wasn't the quickest way to, to get to market and test the concept? Well, that's really where we pivoted to the, the physical product, the way in through, through edible the Edible garden kits. The edible garden kits, yeah. That okay. make it you know super easy to grow your own food at home. They have four to five plants that all work together with permaculture. <laughs> yeah, really and, the starting point yeah. for... For anyone who wanted to start growing, because we realized that we need to find more people like us who are great thumbs, invite them to the table, and then build from there. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess in that really short space of time, what did you end up building to get to, I guess, this artificial deadline of a a demo day at the end of the pre-accelerator? Oh, we, yeah, we went through the works. (laughs) Well, we, we built quite a lot of products that could have just been purchased off the shelf, but we were quite bootstrapped, so you might say that everything that we built was duct taped together from the so, web, from the website. Yeah, um, no subscriptions, no templates. Did all the coding ourselves? Did our product images ourselves without the product in our hands? How did you do? How did you do that? <laughs> we very reluctantly photoshopped the product. We knew that they would work because we had grown some of these plants before. We have a background of you know research and knowledge of permaculture and you know plants that work really well together but we hadn't physically grown these particular plants together in our edible garden kit yeah our stock was just arriving towards the end of it <laughs> we were just prepared to deliver to our first customers there was no way we were going to grow mature plants in three weeks from seed and also <laughs> launch the website and actually if we had we would have missed out on the pre-accelerator pitch we would have missed out on getting our first customers in time for that, which was really important to just, you know, to get out there quickly. Mm. And we would have also missed the spring growing season. So we would have been a season behind. And and that was something that really came through to us in the Victoria Uni Pre Accelerator. It was like, you need to sell and you need to launch. Yeah, you need to start getting out and speaking to customers really quickly because 
you don't actually know what they want until you get out there. Yeah, so we had a real shift in gear from before the accelerator and when we came into the program it was like okay we need to get moving and so it was do or die photoshop yeah. <laughs> got the product in and because did that feel unnatural like i guess before the influence unnatural. yeah of yeah. the pre-accelerator and i guess the education you were getting and the nudges to get out of the building metaphorically speaking and yes. literally yeah like, <laughs> what would you have done otherwise would you have gone down the well we need a photo of the product so we should plant the seeds yeah. you know yeah. propagate yeah, and both of us coming from an architectural background, we are like specialized in risk mitigation. So <laughs> we would have done it the slow way. We would have been absolutely 100% sure before we you know, yeah. open our mouths <laughs> and get out there. And now you've gone, I guess, to the other end of the spectrum. We've, We've got a photoshopped <laughs> fake version of the product. You're confident in that it would look like this. Well, and it, it actually, turned out better. Yeah, than, really? Yeah. Yep, they, it turned out way better. So it was a massive relief and we didn't have any disappointed customers. Like we knew it would be good, but too. it yeah, turned yeah. out um, better. <laughs> of course. <no>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was a relief. <laughs> yeah. And how did you feel on the other side, I guess, now having gone through that experience, you know, next time you need to do something similar, are you – are you more comfortable going with the approach oh, of we still crack the whip on ourselves just to just to launch because we still it's not like we've eradicated the the pattern of um perfectionism we still yeah. kind of fall into the trap of like oh we need to over design this or mm, yeah. where do you think that comes from i think just being a designer <laughs> might yeah. be that might be uh, the source of that did either of you study design yeah so i in architecture we kind of study from the design, graphical, aesthetics, ratios, proportions, um, all the way through to the sciences and engineering of something. So that's kind of where we get our multidisciplinary approach, where we do the graphical elements as well as sciencing the crap out of something. Yeah, and then project <laughs> management and we're the lead consultant on a building project. So all of those skills come come very much in handy when it comes to um entrepreneurship yeah. but it's also our greatest weakness because we tend to overthink things <laughs> it's also why we had an inventory management system before we even had the website complete <laughs> did yeah. you that's hilarious well, we have so many moving parts so that was another learning curve yeah for tell us. us about that because it's not just uh you get a product and you ship it but these things are live so they have a shelf life they have a growing period and you need to of course inform your customer of what those time frames are like and they need to make sure that things are in season. So we had the foresight to realize the process was not as simple as putting something on the shelf and pitching it on the website. So we, yeah, we had to have an inventory system because each edible garden kit has different plants, different seeds, mm -hmm. works under different conditions. So we did do our little over-engineering process. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And was this prior to going into the pre-accelerator or is this still no, no, during no. that this part? Is this, within, was, yes. this was during. This within. was all during. <laughs> wow. While building the website. <laughs> how did yeah. you build the website? Because you mentioned that you did your own coding. Did you know how to code already? So That was Hiranga here. I'm not going to pretend to to know how to code. <laughs> I can read a little bit, but... And, yeah. and when we say code, we uh, we really mean hack. We just hack yes. together bits and pieces. We used like a no-code solution as far as we could go. Yeah, what platform did you use? We used Webflow. Yeah. So that was nice. that was pretty cool. It satisfied the design aspect of us, <laughs> our needs. Yeah, because we didn't want to standard Shopify, but at the same time, uh, we also didn't want to pay for all of the Shopify add-ons as well. So Yeah, the bootstrap yeah. mode of how we are pulling, pulling things together really played a part in how we executed mm. um, but bearing that in mind we ended up 
customizing everything for our needs. So we still get compliments on our website, which always feels good. <laughs> yep. That's great. So you built the website, you've got your inventory process yep. engineered <laughs> for these hypothetical customers. How did yep. you go? I guess once your photoshopped edible plant kit was up there, you had a website to actually start selling from. Yep. How did you go acquiring customers? Oh. We literally had to get on the phone. We thought as soon as we put the website up, people are going to come. All of our friends and family that have seen what we've been doing and we loved what we're doing will all purchase from us. False realities <laughs> yeah. start yep. falling apart. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so what happened? We started yep. learning Facebook ads. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, but that, but was, we that went... was a lot. That was long after the pre-accelerator. Yes, yeah. First customers came from getting on the phone, asking them, hey, do you actually want to buy one? And we yeah, luckily got it. Bouncing family, friends. Friends of friends. Yep. Going through the works, different sorts of connections. But yeah, that was that was a new process for us as well. Did they buy? Did yes. people actually pay for the product? Yes. yes. We yeah. got orders in. We were surprised because it was we were glad that we got orders in quite quickly. There wasn't that much of a delay between someone saying, Yeah, I'm keen and then purchasing because we had the pitch like very soon after. <laughs> Yeah, we definitely had. So we had numbers, like, thankfully, for the pitch, which really helped us because we ended up winning that pre-accelerator program. Yeah, as you know, Judy. Yeah, congrats again. <laughs> well done. It was a good pitch. <laughs> yeah, so that was exciting. But yeah, afterwards we had to really figure out how to run ads and go beyond our immediate network. So that is currently a challenge that we're still kind of going through. Yeah, because it sounds like very much like the first people who are the early adopters of purchasing the product were, yeah, as you say, like very manual acquisition, very expensive way to acquire customers and now, yeah, trying to to achieve scale. Like how's that going? Yeah, we're we're still coming to terms with those factors. And from our first customers, we've kind of, we've we've had feedback. So that's what we didn't have in the pre-accelerator. We've received feedback now. And so we've actually adjusted. We've realized that things that we needed to build in our product that weren't there, well, they couldn't have been built there in the five-week period. So we've realized that, yes, those are valuable. So that's what we're addressing right now. And we've kind of put pause on the marketing aspect of it to focus on our product and then go back to that marketing mode. Yeah. What kind of things are your customers asking for in the product? Well, some of the things... I guess they they really should have been obvious, but weren't obvious to us as first time founders. Sure, things like things like watering, for example, busy professionals or someone with a nine to five schedule. Watering can be a challenge. Something simple as watering, or even soil for for people living in apartments. And we figured out solutions now, solutions that we didn't have at that point in time. And we've also switched gears onto a new type of product, which we're excited to say that we're developing at present. Are you, yep. are you happy to talk about it? Is it a secret? <laughs> Is it under wraps? It's, it's kind of under wraps. Um, but if you would like to know more, check <laughs> us out at earthly.world. Um, that's yeah. our website and subscribe because we're very excited to tell you more in the future. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> proud, proud to announce that it'll be the first of its kind in the world. 
So we, we just need to live up to that and seeing as this podcast is going to go out at some point. Yeah, of course. No, no, that's all right. We'll uh, keep, keep them on the edge of their seats, see okay. what the next version of the product's going to be. But is it still solving the same problem, like helping yes. everyday yes. people, you know, the grey thumbs, mm-hmm. uh, as we've been talking about them, yep. like helping them to grow their own food from home, especially if they're living in like a metropolitan area? Yes. That's right. Yeah. And if people are interested in purchasing version one of the product, can they still do that if they want an edible garden kit? They absolutely can. Yeah, we're going to keep both. We're going to keep that running as well. Awesome. Because it it really kind of fits to two different flavors of the market, let's say. What kind of things can people uh, grow and, and eat? Right now with our autumn, winter edible garden kits, there is a high tea collection where you can grow all the stuff that you need to to create a nice hot beverage and patisserie treats for tea time. It's really way too fancy for myself. (laughs) And there's also a a winter warmers kit, which has little carrots that you can grow even on a balcony. Perfect for roast. Perfect for roast, yeah, and herbs and all this delicious stuff. Sounds great. And what sort of feedback have you had from like friends and family, I guess, going from a very stable, reliable, professional career, Ooh. you know, as architects. <laughs> how has it been received? Because now you've been working, how many months has it been that you've been working full-time on Earthly? We launched in September last year. So, Haranga was on it full-time and yeah. I jumped in in March this year. So so we, we've been investigating the the mission, <laughs> our core mission for yep. quite a few years. It's probably three years where I quit my architecture corporate job and started trying to tackle this. Which, I mean, for context, for anyone who may be listening to this, so September 2020, yeah, how are your friends and family reacting to you going down this path now? You're both working full-time. Not sure if we've mentioned this for context as well. We have like sort of half-referenced that you share a home together. Uh, Uh, Yes, yeah, we are both married. (laughs) To each other. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Our architectural friends have trouble with the fact that we've worked together on many projects sitting right next to each other. It's just kind of weird, but it seems to be our thing. Yeah, we tend to work pretty well together and we both have very similar or overlapping strengths. But then our greatest strengths are actually the other person's weakness. So it does actually <laughs> tend to be um, very helpful. Friends and family, mostly mostly supportive of us taking on this journey. But we're Let's both say also, supportive, but it's been a rough ride. It's been a rough ride. We are both first-generation migrants as well. So I guess for our parents, they have, I guess at the start they were quite worried for us. Whether I it was the right decision. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whether, whether it was the right decision, uh, how hard we worked to... Uh, become architects as well. So it's so it's it's quite a long process and I mean if the, for other founders out there if you've gone through the process of getting into university, getting the degree that you've been chasing and going through the mill especially when you get a certain point with a comfortable salary and yeah. so many degrees of comfort start coming into play yep. and then to kind of put that aside and then pursue something that your inner being is wanting but just doesn't know how to manifest, that becomes very challenging for someone on the outside, especially your family or parents that really care about you, Mm. to come to terms with. I think entrepreneurs probably experience that quite a lot and we we certainly experience it. We still feel the pressures of it, but, I mean, I I enjoy being the underdog and... (laughs) proving people wrong. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like you've obviously got a strong supporter in each other, you know, as yeah. a as a unit to be able to go out and face the world and challenge those expectations of what other people would like to see your career 
looking like. Yeah. Do you have any like tips or sage advice for maybe founders who are in a similar boat where they're not getting that support from friends and family? Yeah, I think it's a, when when you're when you're setting out on something like this, it's important. Well, number one, always fall in love with the problem. We've learned that from watching many Startup Victoria um, <laughs> yeah. YouTube videos. And you, you have to fall in love with the problem enough that it can offset the naysayers. Mm-hmm. And then you gotta, you need to set aside the time for tackling the actual challenge of somehow paying yourself and coming up with the solutions. Because money does come into it at some point, regardless of yeah. whatever savings you've rested on. Would you be comfortable sharing about how you guys consider a runway and because it's obviously still very early days with customer acquisition, yep. like how, how are you giving yourselves the runway to continue to find the right solution for this very real problem of, you know, diverting food waste and helping people to be um, living a more sustainable food life? Yep. How are you fueling, I guess, that timeline you've got to solve that problem? So like we spoke about before, use as many open source free software as possible. Yes. Um, that That's definitely saved us in our monthly running costs. I think simplicity, like lifestyle simplicity. Yeah. And I think, I, think I, I always reflect on this. People really kill themselves by following their ego. And you kind of need to be ready to be humbled here because if you're really pursuing something that you your, your dream job or your dream aspiration that needs to put aside the holiday or the five holidays that you got planned for the next six years. Oh, five holidays would be nice. <laughs> oh. That sounds good. Yeah. And, I can't um, actually remember the last time we went on holiday, to be honest, Judy. <laughs> so we can uh, yeah, tell you what we did every every weekend for the last six months because it was the same thing. <laughs> that yeah, was build up your savings. There will be a time where you will need it, especially at the start. But then also there are Lots of different support networks, such as government grants and things that are available to founders like us to be able to tackle things that are really important in this world. Yeah, so we've really only begun tapping into those things. Depends on the particular problem that you're trying to solve, but it's definitely worth looking at those things and also connecting with mentors and other founders to see what they've discovered on the side because things go out of date real quick Mm, um, in this environment. Yeah, like the Startup Victoria ecosystem has just been so wonderful for us. And same with Victoria Uni with the Beta Pre-Accelerator. We are still in contact with the guys that ran the program as well as the other founders. It's just been such a great support network, seeing what everyone else is up to and getting advice as well, because it can be really lonely being a founder, especially, you know, both of us were in our living room working together 24-7 it's really important to get out there and speak to other people um, who are going through the, exactly the same thing. And, yeah. and, and get the, the real advice from people that have kind of gone through the grind and are humble enough to lay it down to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I do appreciate you being so honest and transparent and sharing like how you're making it work. And yep. I can just picture that visualization of you two in your lounge room, <laughs> photoshopping this like edible plant kit at home and putting it up on the website to see someone buy it. I think that's a really cool story. I know you've got another funny story, which I think is a great duct tape moment about an unexpected pitch to Australia Post. <laughs> Haranga, can you tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah, things things that things that can go wrong will go wrong. But regardless of whatever happens, you have to be ready to pitch. <laughs> we had a parcel delivery go kind of sideways. We weren't sure what happened with it, whether it was meant to be delivered or it had been delivered or delivered to the wrong person. So 
I found myself on the phone to Australia Post and they asked us to describe what the parcel was. <laughs> and so I had this awkward moment, and this was, again, within the pre-accelerator um, program, where I had to explain to them, oh, yeah, it's this edible garden kit. And they suddenly sounded very interested in what we're doing. <laughs> um, so I had to switch gears from this uh, kind of disgruntled customer to, to, to pitch Earthly. And so I ended up giving them the 30-second pitch of, earthly and they said yeah they were super interested their mother-in-law or someone someone is growing their own garden and again this is COVID time where people are at home trying to grow whatever they could so yeah you got to pitch wherever you are you got to wear all the hats all the time (laughs) I think Ashni would have been in the other room hearing my um (laughs) wondering what's going on (laughs) you just imagine the change in tone yeah like what happened to my product my customer hasn't received it yeah (laughs) well funny you should ask earthly is this uh it's yeah very i love that you've just always got very ready to switch modes absolutely Um, yeah have you had much experience pitching to investors or folks in the community who may also want to join your journey would you like to remain bootstrapped what are your plans there no we haven't but we are switching gears to uh, commit to reaching out to investors with our future product that we're currently working on. There's a hardware manufacturing requirement and our technology requirements are also increasing. So there's a bit of a runway challenge as well as delivery challenge that we're going to be facing. So we'll, we'll definitely be looking for angel investors in the coming months. If you're a tech person out there who's interested in our mission, we'd love to connect I know that the actual product is a little bit um, under wraps at the moment in terms of version two, yep. <laughs> but is there anything you can um, share to to give us a clue as to, because I think everyone can understand like an edible garden kit and what that looks like and what that customer experience would be, buying an edible garden kit, having it at home, growing the food, eating the food. What element of tech are you going to be, I guess, layering in to help you solve the, the problem of diverting food waste? Yeah, so I guess... If we, if we put it really simply, if you found the edible garden kit wasn't exactly for you, you might find this product kind of perfect. <laughs> I mean, provided that we're not growing steak on this thing. <laughs> wow. All right. Um, <laughs> turn a corner. That's a totally different business. <laughs> but we've realized that there's a different tier of product. Obviously, with the five-week process of a pre-accelerator, the idea is to get from zero to 100 really quick. Mm. And that's what we did what we're working on right now is a lot more technical, a lot more complex. And so we've, we've kind of had the wins to build that momentum. And I guess that's one thing that happens as a first-time founder. You need to figure out where that momentum gives you enough confidence to spend the time, spend the money on developing yeah. something hard. And that's where we're at right now. We're aiming to increase the success rate when it comes to growing food. So if you don't have time to, to water plants, if you don't know what to do with your food waste. I love to hear that you're talking about building your business based on the signals that you're receiving. And I do think that's yeah. one of the great things about doing a pre-accelerator program is it just teaches you that, that yeah. rather than being internally driven and you're both very mission focused and I know that you're both very passionate about making the world a greener place <laughs> and solving some of our environmental challenges. But it can be really easy, I think, when you're mission driven to be led from within and to let your own internal, I guess, decision-making experience, worldview, guide what you're building. And you're always going to need an element of that. But I love just hearing how you've changed your mindset and you're looking for the signals from 
outside without yeah. compromising the mission. Like the mission is what you've still got on the inside that yes. guides you, but the signals in the market for where there's going to be growth, where there's going to be scale, where there's going to be uptake and actually listening to those signals to guide what you're doing rather than just continuing down the garden path, mind the pun, um, <laughs> you know, blindly. I think yeah. that's really, really great. Does it ever get like, have you found any moments, I guess, not being in the pre-accelerator and not having that cohort effect of being surrounded by other people who are also making those quick and hard decisions? How have you kept each other accountable to to listening to the signals? Yeah, I think we're kind of organized in the sense that we're, we have our processes and we've realized that, I mean, KPIs or in architecture, we don't have KPIs, but I know that as a startup, you should have KPIs. So we've kind of implemented a few things that we hold ourselves accountable to. And obviously it feels kind of crap when you're, when you're bootstrapped and you're spending a lot of effort, but you're not necessarily seeing results yeah. or in our case, I guess, sales from a product, but mm-hmm. The market is the market, and as a founder, you have to address what the market wants. And you have to also, particularly in our case, you have to educate the market what they might want in the future. And I think that's something that Steve Jobs and many others do really well. So that's another thing. If you don't, if you don't have your kind of cohort with you, say you finish the pre-accelerator, then what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> reflect on <laughs> reflect on what the greats have done before you, because there's always bits and pieces to extract from what they've done and patterns to apply what we're working on is really challenging again with the moving parts the variables having to science the hell out of everything and we've been reflecting on lots of different innovations like from car manufacturing industry such as like elon musk apple the way that things are marketed to try and extend the logic that worked for their business model and for their product and apply it to ourselves and figure out how we can kind of pave a map and see if we can stick to that path and kind of tread along it, stumble a few times, stumble less than the amount of times we move forwards, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of (laughs) sense. Yeah, and I think it is a little bit of both. Like, right, you have to look for the signals, do what's in the market, but also follow your own vision. Yeah, it's interesting. I've I've heard many investors say that some of the best uh, businesses, there was no market. (laughs) the market had to be created. So I'm really curious to see what's around the corner for you both. Jumping back to the first version of the product, the one that you were shipping out during COVID. Stage four lockdown, COVID times. Stage four lockdown in (laughs) Melbourne. No one's on holiday. Mm -hmm. Uh, People are ordering edible garden kits online. How are you getting them delivered to people's homes? Oh, so again, we had our processes sorted. So we did have a uh, delivery provider yeah, but we thought we'd deliver excellent customer service by delivering by hand delivering hand delivering the parcels that were within five kilometers of our home. That was just in case there were COVID delays. So we wanted to try and do the typical scale the unscalable thing. And um, we, yeah, the VIP treatment. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's so it. These were our first customers as well, so we wanted to make them feel special. There's expectation, and then there's reality, and that was something that we learned early on. What was the expect? What had you told your customers they were going to experience? Well, we had we hadn't actually told our customer anything, but we had an internal expectation. So just to frame this up, so we had decided to hand deliver this. In our head, 
in my mind, we had this postman Pat moment where we rock up in our car. And, <laughs> Wave uh, at our customers, have yeah. a little chat with them. <laughs> yeah, tell them thank you for thank you so much for uh, believing in us and purchasing our first product. Awesome. Yep. That was in our head. Um, <laughs> Sounds great. I can picture it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what ended up happening is uh, there's this, this this huge storm cloud rolling in. I, I've arrived at the address, and there is no doorbell at the gate. The gate is locked. And there's no secure place to leave the parcel. <gasps> and our package is, of course, made of biodegradable material. It's not waterproof at all. Oh, no. Yep. What did you do? And, and I can literally see the, the customer happily working from home on their laptop through the hedge. Yeah, Haranga's That's not, not creepy that's, at all. I was going to say, <laughs> non-creepy way. <laughs> this is going to sound so much better in the podcast. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so not what did you, so, so you can see the customer, the storm clouds coming in, you've got delicate packaging. Yep. What happens next? Yeah, I'm I'm You're just f- calculating in my head how well I can frisbee this thing to the door. No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Obviously, we didn't do that. Well, we kind of did. Uh, but <laughs> well, so a few minutes went by. I was obviously trying to wave down the customer through the hedge who was, again, through the window on her laptop. We also didn't take phone numbers on the contact form because we created the website ourselves, and that was a massive oversight that we just forgot to put in. Yeah. Right. Um, and are you, are you present for this uh, delivery? No, yes, I, was, I, was not th- I was not present, but Haranga got on the phone <laughs> to me at the time. And luckily this customer happened to be a friend of a friend because these were the first customers, so they were all within a couple of um, degrees of separation. Yeah, so troubleshooting so, 101, like, Go back up the chain. <laughs> yep. Contact the friend, get them to contact their friend to get the package. <laughs> and did she finally answer the door? No, she didn't answer the door, but we managed to get through to the friend of the friend who delivered the message that the parcel had been delivered. And it was all good. <laughs> and it was all good. It, it was the all package good. <laughs> was well received. Wonderful. And it, I did have to frisbee it kind of towards the door. Amazing. And then did you update Carefully, your contact form? There were no form? breakables. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing we did. That's awesome. Yep. And then how did the next delivery go? We left it up to the delivery. <laughs> the uh-huh. delivery you put it in the hands of the professionals. Yes. Yes. Yep. The VIP treatment was over, one and done. Yep. I think so, yep. Love that. Thank you for sharing that story. <laughs> I think that is like a classic duct tape moment where you're like, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, I can do this myself. And yep. then uh, you find out all the holes in your process. But then you go and fix them. You go and plug them up. Yeah, you it. learn a lot. You learn yeah. every day. <laughs> That's great. It's been really exciting to watch your journey. I do commend you on taking the leap from a very safe, predictable, <laughs> you know, architecture career into a really massive competitive problem space and I'm just really pleased for you so thank you so much for joining us thank you it's been really fun yeah thank you so much we really appreciate the support that we're getting from the community and hope you guys get uh, a lot of value out of this and that's it for another episode of duct tape did you enjoy it rate and review the show on apple podcasts or wherever you're listening right now it means a lot to us and the awesome founders who've given us their time we'll be back next tuesday with another episode but while you wait go check out earthly you know that exciting new product that they were hinting at all throughout this episode well uh things have been barreling along and while it's still somewhat under wraps i can now tell you a bit more 
So Earthly are developing one of the first smart appliances that makes it easy for people to create their own circular food system at home. Uh, So what does that mean? Well, not only does this device empower you to grow food in a compact space with no mess, it also converts your food scraps into organic nutrients that feed the plants. It's fresh food meets cutting edge technology meets sustainability with a capital S. A total win in my books. To find out more and be the first to experience how we can revolutionise our food systems all from the comfort of home, sign up to their newsletter and Discord channel over on their website, earthly.world. That's earthly with an I. Where you can also buy their original edible garden kits. And if you're a techie or investor who's passionate about this cause, definitely get in touch with Harunga and Ashini on any platform, including LinkedIn. For everything else from Duct Tape, including a ton of fascinating interviews and insights from Victorian founders, hit up our website, ducttaped.co. That's D-U-C-T-T-A-P-E-D dot co. Duct Tape is a collaboration between Startup Victoria and Victoria University. An enormous thank you to Harunga Gunawadana and Ashini Diawlis for sharing with us today. To Judy Anderson, our wonderful interviewer, and to the rest of the team, Poppy Truella, Jordan Gianfrancesco, and Hannah G. I've been your narrator, producer, and editor, Lara Chan Baker. We'll catch you next week with the next episode. <laughs>